Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports Bros Pod here in studio. Yes, <laughs> I'm in studio. I think that's um, two in a row. <laughs> actually, you count. That's right. I'm counting. Wow. Count. Pop the champagne. <laughs> right. Do we have champagne? I wish. <laughs> we do like the Yankees celebrate after every win. Like it's <laughs> here in studio at an undisclosed. Well, we're here, at, you know, uh, Columbus Circle. Okay. Here with the great. Jamal Murph, Fee. What what's up? up, Murph? What's up? What's up? Good to be here, of course. Right, and the near, the near legendary Nabate Isles. What's happening, Nabate? I'm okay. I don't know about near legendary, but I appreciate it. Thank near you very legendary. much. People don't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at the Nets game yesterday, and I'm talking to uh, Eli when the PR guys the Nets. And he starts talking about man, I gotta go here. I gotta go here, Nabate. <laughs> he didn't talk about. He didn't talk about in a Nabate on the air. No, no. He said, man, I got to hear. Man, I gotta hear Nabate. He starts talking about his dad growing up in jazz and how he went. I mean, he was a whole. I, I knew see, Eli was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just, so I said, I said, Nabate has no idea that people are like you know. So you know what? Last week you brought in uh, the great vibraphonist Warren Wolf. Warren Wolf, indeed. man. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna actually start getting some performances. Yeah, yeah, small, yeah, yeah. small performance. <laughs> and anyway, the great Nabate Isles. And um, so listen, we're going to take a, uh, a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to come back with the great Karan Butler. Uh, many of you know him from the NBA, but he had a tremendous backstory. You will not believe this guy. You see him uh, on NBA TV. So we're going to be with Karan Butler when we come back in just a few, a couple minutes. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, and MP3 player. For you, the listeners of Bill Roden on Sports, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 Million Slaves, The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete by the one and only William C. Roden, an absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook. Check it out. Welcome back to Bill Roden on Sports, and it is our pleasure and honor to have this gentleman who um, has had a lot of success and has a unique story um, as well and has uh, been able to go uh, through those obstacles and adversities to become not just a great basketball player, but a great ambassador for the game and for for educating the youth, which is very important. He's a champion, NBA champion with the Dallas Mavericks 2011, with my good friend Rick Carlisle coaching that team. Uh, also, as well, uh, two-time All-Star with the Washington Wizards. And also uh, someone, too, that was Biggie's Player of the Year in 2002 with University of Connecticut Huskies with the legendary Jim Calhoun. UConn. And currently he is an NBA TV analyst as well. And it's our pleasure to have the great Karan Butler on the show. Hey, hey, man, thanks for having me on, brother. Oh, hey, man, right. I might bring you on the road, man, with that interview. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no doubt. You deserve it, though. You deserve it. Yes, Thank indeed. You, much respect. Yes, yeah. sir. I, I got to say, man, um, you know, 
we met, um, and not that you remember, I was just part of the media horde, but I, I worked at the New York Times like 34 or something years. And uh, I, I, you know, obviously did some stories on you. And it's just great to see. I think I met you, um, you had just turned 22. You just you had just celebrated your 22nd birthday. And okay. uh, this was like whatever that was back in the day. I, all that to say, man, it's really been great to see your arc, to see, you know, the miles you've traveled, uh, the career at, at, at Connecticut, then the NBA, and particularly what you've been doing now, what you've been doing uh, on TV and just in your life. So, it's, it's, you know, as you know, man, as you see young folks, even who you mentor and whatever, it's always gratifying to see, you know, the arc to like a moral thing. So, so just congratulations, man, and keep on, keep on grinding. I appreciate that, brother. That means everything, man. You know, when people are able to acknowledge, you know, the layers of what you had to overcome and, you know, see your body of work for what it is and what you represent, man, that means everything. Thank you. No, absolutely. That's very inspiring. And it's always great. You know, I run a sports and recreation program at my church in Harlem. It's always great, man, particularly young kids. When you say, who wants to play in the NBA? And everybody, of course, raises their hand. And Absolutely. he said, you know, do you know what it means, <laughs> what it takes for you to get, and you always mention like a Karan Butler and then tell your story. So are you willing to do that? Are you willing to walk through the fire? Are you willing to, and I know you talk to a lot of kids. So again, man, your, your, your life as it continues to unfold is very uh, in, inspiring. Um, have you said that? What do you think of, <laughs> what do you, what do you think of, uh, of what's the name out at uh, Golden State of, um, I'm sorry to get right into ball, but I, while I'm thinking about it, of uh, the thing between Beverly and uh, KD and your guy KD, <laughs> you're it. You you've been in the mix, man. What do you just give? A, what do you think of that? It's, it's interesting to see, like you know, the world of like see, we <laughs> see it on the daily in our communities and at our local recreational centers or wherever you may you know participate in the game that you love, which mm. is basketball, but. You know, it's not it's not often that you see that competitive nature and, and drive, you know, on the national stage. So I love it. Like, <laughs> me personally, I think that's what the game is all about, where you're seeing somebody trying to impose their will. It's a battle of wills, and, you know, it ain't no foolishness behind it. They both respect each other. KD respect uh, Patrick Beverly for what he brings to the table. And obviously, you know, uh, Beverly respects KD for – you know, being, you know, arguably the best player on the planet right now. So it's just, it's it's amazing to see that competition. I reached out to KD yesterday and I said, man, enough of the foolishness, though. <laughs> so it's time to put, yeah, I said, man, it's time to put the world on notice, man, because sometimes, you know, Superman fly around and he ain't trying to get his cape tugged on or anything like that, man. He just trying to make sure everything good in the in the hood, man. He's <laughs> tugged on his cape. They tug on this cape a little bit, man. And I said, man, it's time to send people a reminder, man. And I, I think that the demonstration that he showed in game three, mm. let everybody know exactly who he is. What do you what do you think uh, about Golden State in general as far as these playoffs go? I know when, when the Clippers came back from 31 points, I think it really, you know, it, it starts to – it's a little alarming, you know, when you're looking at Golden State and you're thinking, can they, can they win another championship – um, do you think they you think they're together enough to get it done this year? 
I, I think so many times you like you look at like unicorns and that's you know things that you probably won't ever see again. And you know Michael Jordan was that. You know uh, Will Chamberlain, guys like that. And and this team is something like you know we probably won't see for you know many years. We always mm. compare them to the the Lake Show and um, the the Bulls and 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 this team is extremely special. So when we see them, you know, have like a, a ordinary moment. Where a lot of teams do, where you're you're up thirty or you're up twenty five, and then all of a sudden you put your guard down, and um, you know a team come back and they get some momentum behind them and they win the game. It's, I mean, it happens. Like it's, right. these guys are professional basketball players too. And not only that, I, I really want to touch on this. It's like whenever one of your guys go down, and, and, and I'm talking about Demarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. that was a devastating injury, and they knew. That like they knew before Woj knew right. that he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. Right. So that's what happens. Like for instance, the guy, the training staff, they go in the back, they come back to the bench, and Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or Clay or one of the guys on that team probably looked at the trainer like, "Hey, he all right?" He's like, "No, nah, he like he done." Mm-hmm. Like, and that takes a lot of energy out of a huddle. Hmm. Yet alone, like, don't take anything away from the Los Angeles Clippers and what they was able to accomplish because that was just amazing. They was knocking down shots. They was defending Patrick Beverly, all those guys. Doc Rivers did an excellent job of adjusting to what he needed to adjust it to. But it was a lot of uh, momentum taken away from the Golden State Warriors, and they had to re-get, regroup, get themselves back together, and they bounced back in game three. Now, Karan, uh, going on to another part of the Western Conference um, playoff picture, you have Portland Trailblazers, impressive against the Oklahoma City Thunder at home. Now, they took care of home court, granted. But also, Damian Lillard is playing with a purpose. He's playing with, with a chip on his shoulder. And he's always had a chip on his shoulder throughout his career with the lack of respect that he's received, especially from someone like a Russell Westbrook. This matchup, how um, if Portland could get by Oklahoma City and Damian Lillard can continue to outplay Westbrook, how can this raise his profile and possibly the opportunity for the Trailblazers to maybe make the West Conference Finals? Well, I, look, I always had Dame Willer as, you know, one of the most underrated superstars in the game. Not stars, but superstars. Mm-hmm. I think he's box office, and I think that he's one of the most well-rounded, gifted, you know, uh, respected leaders when you're talking about basketball. And uh, I just love the way his approach and how he leads. Um, and they fell a little short for some years. But I just think it's this. This their time, man. I, I I think when C.J. McCollum and him, they're on the same page, they're clicking, and then you got the necessary pieces around them that can knock down shots, be shot makers, not just shot takers. Uh, they 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 help elevate that team to a to new height. Now you you look at the opposing side of Russell Westbrook, Paul George being injured, uh, he was hindered on the back end of this season going into the playoffs, and that's when you want to be playing your best basketball, but they were just trying to make him available. So that affected them uh, tremendously. And then, you know, Russell Westbrook haven't been himself, and he'll be the first to admit that. Mm. And I think game three, he's going to come back and try to bounce back. But they don't have no shot making. You know, OKC, that's something that they struggled with this season. They have the third guy, Schroeder, that can go out there and put out big numbers. But they don't have any shot making on the perimeter to give Paul George and Russell Westbrook that real estate they need 
and able to go downhill and attack the paint and do some of the things that they need to do. So if you don't have that, that's not going to change overnight. It may change from for, for a game. Some guys may knock down shots and create some space for them to operate. But in, until those guys make shots, it's, it's not going to be a series, and Portland will run away with it. Well, we're here with uh, Karan Butler, uh, two-time NBA All-Star, uh, also analyst on NBA TV and author of of his book is um autobiography called Tough Juice mm. uh, my journey from the streets to the NBA and we're going to talk more with Karan on that later yeah. on. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that actually I I can't wait to talk about uh, that man cuz it's been an incredible journey. I understand you uh, is that going to go into production as a movie? Yeah, man. So uh Mark's filming a movie right now in Utah right. and then um we 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 got greenlit to, you know, film the movie finally. So uh, excited about that, man. Going back to my hometown, racing Wisconsin, going to shoot a lot of it, you know, there. And it's just special, man, because, you know, uh, it took some time, you know, for the project to happen and, you know, going through the process of, you know, waiting and waiting for the right people to be attached to it. Uh, last thing we're waiting for now is the director, you know, and, you know, we rolling, man. So it's we, we, we uh, sat down with some great people from Antoine Fuqua to, you know, Pete Berg and so many more. And, you know, we're trying to narrow down that short list of who we want to direct this thing, man, because it's, it's paramount that, that the story be told the right way. And Pete Berg directed the Anthony Lynn commercial, Super Bowl commercial. We had mm. Anthony Lynn on mm. for a couple yeah. of months ago. Peter Berg, you know, very, very good director. And Mark Wahlberg, too. You got to say Mark Wahlberg. There's a lot of Marks out there. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, 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 hey, man, you know, when you say Jack, man, everybody knows Jack Nicholson. Right. <laughs> I, right. I figure you say Mark, man. He, he's the Mike Jordan of the entertainment space right now, man. So I, you say Mark, I was like, everybody knows who Marky Mark is, man. Okay. Now, who's the lead actor? Who's going to play you? Because, yeah. man, Remember, I made a suggestion you. to you of Corey Hawkins. Remember, I made that suggestion to you. Man, a lot of people made some suggestions. And I can't leak any information. It's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be crazy, man. And it's like the, the body of work, man, and, and what we put into it. You know, uh, Jason Liu did an amazing job writing the script. Uh, we brought something to the table. Um, it, 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 it was great. It was awesome what he brought to the table the first time around. But... I didn't want to edit to edit my life, you know what I mean? Because right. I didn't do that when I wrote the book. I didn't do it. It wasn't a PG PG version of a PG thirteen version of a book. Uh, I wanted real stories. I wanted to be authentic, and you know, I wanted it to come across the way that it did it, and it it, it was received extremely well. So that's the same way we are going about it with the production of the movie. Well, you've had a you you've had an incredible story, you know, growing up, and then uh, you know, even before getting to UConn is where I first. Uh, saw you, um, but what you know? You have the you have the book and you have the movie. What is it? You know what particularly about your story is it that you wanted to tell that you think uh, can help people in in their lives? And I I think uh, pretty much every component of it because like you always see like the finished product, especially with social media, right? Don't nobody ever cast they, they, their failures or their hardships, right? right. You turn on, you look at. Uh, social media from Instagram, Facebook to Twitter to Pinterest, you know, um, you don't ever see nobody like, damn, had a rough day. It's hard out here. <laughs> right, right, I got right, through right. it. You know, yeah. everybody's smiling next to a yacht or a boat or getting in that nice car with the new J's on or something. Right. I just wanted to put out, you know, some of the trauma that I had to address and 
some things that happened for me that I know happens a lot in our culture, and I wanted to talk about it and talk about how every road and every door that I, you know, try to open or every avenue that I try to explore, you know, I was hindered. I was, you know, um, I put up a roadblock for me, and it was it wasn't by, you know, just I, I felt like it was by design to to a certain extent, and mm. I wanted to tell people, you know, from my experiences in real time, like, don't ever get discouraged by that. You know, always find a way to, you know, believe. And, you know, when 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 I really start believing, you know, in myself was when I went out the confines of the six, the six-mile radius of Racine, Wisconsin, where I was exposed to different things. So, you know, I'm a strong believer in seeing this believing. And that's why I wanted to, I wanted to let everybody see it. And when I'm on my platform, any social media platform, I let people see my life. I give you uh, a, a, a look into my circle, a look into my experiences, so you can be like, "Damn, like I can do that. Like I can, I can do that. I can be that, or I could be a version of that." Because this brother has been through a whole bunch of stuff, man, and I'm experiencing that right now, and I can relate. So that's why I felt the need to put it out there. And um, man, people just been, you know, feeling it, man, and. It's, it's, it's been good, man, and that's man. It's it's, it's an amazing feeling to know that somebody's been inspired by your life. Uh, you know, Karat, I was uh, thinking. I, I was uh, just calling up. Um, if, if you could, I mean, you know this already. This is the piece that we collaborated on in 2002. Uh, you had just lifted Connecticut to the, the Sweet 16. You had had a great performance, and of course, this was 2002. I had no idea. All I knew you was Karan Butler. And then we started to talk. I'm just going to read a passage because I want you to talk again about, about again, specifically, I, I think the purpose of all these, you know, you telling these stories, it's just like when you watch game film. Mm. You know, when you watch game film, the only reason you're doing it is to look at stuff that happened last year or last practice that helps you to, for today, you know, today's game. That's why the only reason you look at the film. Um so this this is the thing I, I I was just reading it man I had I I had forgotten it. Um, eight years ago, as a teenager in Racine, Wisconsin, all this stuff, the NCAA tournament, the round of sixteen was fantasy. Life was not so sweet. Butler was arrested on charges of possessing cocaine and a pistol in school when he was fourteen. The charges, coupled with an earlier police record, led to a fifteen-month sentence at a juvenile correction center. While other players talk about a fight here and there, Butler could talk about spending 15 days in solitary confinement, a result of a fight with another inmate at the juvenile center. But in solitary confinement, Butler took personal inventory and decided that he had better use his talents as a basketball player, his toughness and determination to break a cycle of bad decisions that plagues his family. He returned to Park High School in Racine and made himself into a player. You know what? That there's more, but that's remarkable, man. I mean that you sometimes you did it. You you did that. You decided at that moment to make a change. Not everybody does that. So what is it? I guess is it something that's deep inside that that causes people, causes you to make that cycle? Because you have to do it. You know, people have to do that. Nobody could do that for you. I, I would have to say like. I'll, I'll be a fool if I wouldn't say that it wasn't because of prayer because, mm -hmm. you know, I had my mother, my grandmother, 
they was all praying individuals. And, you know, I was covered by generations of prayer. You know, I also was, uh, you know, in a situation in which, to be honest with you, I was scared as hell. Hmm. You know, because people don't come back from what our lifestyle was. You know what I mean? So hmm. when I when I got out of, you know, corrections, you know, a lot of people that I jammed with, my friends, my loved ones, my brothers, my you know, guys I played in the sandbox with, they was dead. Hmm. They was gone. So that was the reality of the situation, like, like, damn, like, you you going to continue to go down this path and do that? Because that will always be there. You know, that role for destruction would always be there. But I was just thinking about how hard I was going out my way to do sneaky shit and, <laughs> and, and live that life. And I was just like, man, if I can do all that just to mess up and go back to jail, like, why I can't, like, go out my way to do some good, positive stuff? You know what I mean? And, and put a smile on the people that love me most face and uh just just try to be the best possible version of Quran. Like let me just try that mm. and see what happens. And man, I'm telling you, like just things just start happening, man. And and that, that's I always say that that one of my favorite quotes is like one thing about those tables they always turn, man. <laughs> if you just like believe in the process of it and just you know, uh you you're not in search for immediate results, but if if you just like stay consistent in what you're trying to do and, you know, the trending in the right direction, man, that like the, the, the resolve will be there. And that's what happened for me, man. The opportunities came and I was ready for the blessing that I wanted. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I was just like wanted the end game and showing up when all the hard work was done, like a blister. Like it was one of those situations. Like I was, I was really prepared for my blessing because I worked hard for it. I was mentally prepared for my blessing because I thought about it, and I addressed my trauma. Like, it, like when I went to corrections, a lot of people go to jail to be a, a smarter criminal, <laughs> or even worse brother than what they came. But like, I, I addressed my trauma. I looked at myself and said, "You, like, you messed up. Hmm. Now you have to be better. You made the women that love you most, because I didn't have no male role model in my life. So my mother, my grandmother raised me, my auntie. So you disappointed them." You need to fix this. Like, it was you, not them or they or that. That's why that happened, because they didn't do this for me, right. and I had to hustle. I didn't play the victim, man. I was honest with myself, and that's what changed everything for me. Now, you said you didn't have a male role model. Now you are a male role model for your son and for your children, for your son, J.C., um, who uh, actually was part of the UC Irvine um, tournament team. So talk about how you approach fatherhood and how the lessons you've learned you've been able to instill in your son and, and helping him be a better man um, than, you know, a better man as he grows up and everything. It's, and not just a basketball player, but a better individual. Always making myself available, no matter what time, day, uh, what I have to sacrifice, you know, I always say family first. You know what I mean? So my, our relationship is, is everything. We communicate, we talk about, you know, the good stuff, but we talk about the bad stuff even more. And we sit down and we have, you know, those conversations, those uncomfortable conversations, and we have a lot of fun also. You know what I mean? So we have that space where it's okay to talk about anything because I know you 
care about me, love me, and you have my best interest. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I wish I would have had, you know, with, you know, a male figure of some sort. You know what I mean? Like, I, it was always that gray area with me. Like, all right, these are the women. I got to respect them. Boom. They're the streets. It was that gray area right there where I was like, you know, my my information came from that, uh, 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 damaged right. people or tra- people that were suffering from trauma or whatever that case may be. You know, they didn't, have the, they didn't have the best interest for me because they didn't understand the best interest for their own damn self. So it was mm-hmm. just like one of those situations. You know what I mean? So, like, how you going to help me and you can't help yourself? Like, so it was like, he was just passing on that curse. Mm. But, like, with my son, man, we, we, we have real discussions, man, and he, he get it. You know, he's a, he, he's been raised totally different in a different environment, exposed to different things. But we always talk about, you know, what, I, what I've come to, and he has great balance, and I think that's important. And isn't that unbelievable that a lot of NBA players like yourself, like Shaq, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Jamal Mashburn, et cetera, et cetera, second-generation players, all of your sons are second-generation players and looking to aspire to the NBA. Um, you know, that that's a great thing. Talk about that commonality and how, you know, they're learning to grow as athletes and, and also instilling those lessons and, you know, also being able to know how fortunate they are that they have fathers in their lives. Yeah, man, it's, it's a blessing. It really is. Like, me and D-Wade was talking about that uh, last summer, man. He had told me that this would be his farewell tour his last year. We were discussing just how far we come and, uh, I think Zaire had called him or FaceTime or something on the phone, and he was like, man, I'm watching the game. And he had this uh, this app that uh, I think he's part owner of this company or something too, but he had this app where he was able to visually watch his son AAU games on his phone. <laughs> wow. And I was just like, damn, duh, I, I didn't even have that. I had to like – have my wife there, or I, I had to fly somebody there and get the visit. He's like, oh, no, man, it's Ball is Life app or something. And I was just like, damn, but it was just like our whole conversation wasn't about us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, you know, we made millions of dollars doing something we loved doing, and, you know, we did it to the fullest, but our life, and, and this is how when you know stuff come full circle, our whole conversation for two and a half, three hours was just talking about our families mm. and, you know, the future and, and, and giving back to, to the communities and making sure that we expose all these folks that follow us, you know, to to something different. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what our conversations be about, like business and stuff like that, but most importantly about our family. So I think that it's, just, it's amazing to see the legacy of the names of the back of the jerseys, the families of the O'Neills, the, you know, the Jameses and, you know, the waves and the list goes on, and even the pause and so many more where, uh, you know, we got kids, we got legacies out there, and, you know, we're teaching them the right way. You know, you see them sideline at the All-Star Games. You see them uh, just away from basketball as well, though, but you see them at the business meetings. You see them at the conferences, you know, whether it's tech, whether it's, uh, you know, anything that we're doing and we're exposing ourselves to or we're involved in or invested in, you know, our kids are seeing it firsthand and they understand it, you know, like you can do this and you up next with this and, you know, uh, make sure you pay attention to these lessons. Hmm. Hey, Cruz, last thing for me, man, you raised, I, I want to I follow up on that. Well, I'm tempted, I'll access some discipline and ask you the question I wanted to ask you. I want to take you to the, to the broadcast booth. And, and I'm always 
you know, amazed to see, you know, when guys make the transition from the court to the broadcast booth, a lot of times guys who didn't want to have anything to do with the media are now in the media. And I'm wondering, you weren't one of those guys, but has, has, has your experience now on the other side given you a different perspective on the NBA, on the culture? You know, do you look at the guys differently? Um, uh, that, that's the first part. That do you, has, has your experience now in media given you a different perspective uh, on, on the people you cover and, and on, uh, you know, on the league? I've always had like a, a, a interesting uh, perspective on just you know life, man. Like I always looked at stuff a little different because of my experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So like my relationship with the media was always great because I, I knew early that man, look, they 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 just doing their damn job. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know like they they ain't trying like if if, if for instance if I played great. I want the whole damn world to know that I played great, that right. I was awesome today, and that right. my value went up, and I right. need to get paid. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, like if I played bad, that they have to report that just as well as they got to report the good shit. You know, so right. like you got to be okay with that, and you have to like be like, you know what? I can't hold you accountable and be mad at you because you got to tell my truth. Like all you're doing is this. You're, you're in a you're a fly on the wall in a situation where you're just telling the truth, and I can't be mad at you for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have a job, you provide for your family and your loved ones. I have a job to be the best possible version of myself, and when I'm be, I'm trying to be the best and it's not good enough, then that's some that's something that I got to evaluate in the summer. But I that's that's how I always looked at it. So whether I played good or bad, I always made myself available available for media so my perspective and my like how I see it has always been the same and and what I tell guys now that I'm on this side and you know they're like oh gee what you think and they come to me you know whether it's good or bad you know I spend time talking business in the summer with these dudes or training you know taking care of your body all these things and if I say something that they don't want to hear like they respect it though because they know I come from a genuine uh, spot in a genuine place and they're like, man, what you think I should do? Because all I'm doing is telling you what somebody that should love you tell you in your circle if you play good or if you play bad. And I'm just going to give it to you real. Like, if you play great, I'm like, man, he has to keep that up. In order for them to win the series, just what they got to do, he, got, he has to continue to play this way. If he played bad, or I'm going to touch on it. And that's what someone that really loves you, that you have around, should be telling you. But, you know, so many guys have, you know, these, these, these individuals around them that, you know, that don't always have your best interest. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, you got to place addition and subtraction with your circle when you have a circle like this. Right. Let me, let me just uh, take, you, take you back to the, your high school days again one last time. I'm just curious when, you know, you had, your, you had your, your, your issues and your problems at a young age, but when was it that you – you you knew you were on the right path. Was it was it once you got to UConn? Was it prior to that? I'm just curious about the you, you know your your growth and thought process. Man, you know honestly, I would have to say when I got drafted, mm. right? Because and I know it sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm gonna tell you why. So like like when you're going through the process, like I got out of racing. That was like a big deal. So I went to prep <laughs> school for two years, but. Like, I was just working. I was just playing basketball, and I was grinding, and I was out of, like, 
harm's way. Mm-hmm. But like I, I was like, I still got to go back at some point. Like I can't stay at prep school for forever. <laughs> so I got to go back home at some point. And then I was like, damn, all right, I got another, I got another four years because I got another relief. I got a scholarship at Connecticut. So. Ooh, okay, I ain't got to go back there for four years now. Wow. So that gave me, like, I'm playing with house money. That gave me a cushion. Right. And then when I was there for two years, and then it was like, when I got drafted, it was like, okay, now I got, not only I, I, I got the talent, I got my health, but now I got some financial backing for mm. myself where I know I don't have to go back. And when I do go back, the things that I don't like, I can help fix. Mm, right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, all right, now, I, like I was like, I'm good, like I'm I'm straight now, like. But I I didn't feel comfortable or good about anything until I was able to do that because my family was there, my mother was there, uh, you know, I had loved ones there, and um, you know, nothing changed. It was just giving me a cushion. Mm. Well, and uh, now Tony Romo, did he help you uh, with that? Because <laughs> you guys are teammates. People don't know that. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I never, I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Teammates, yeah. right. Talk, talk about that that relationship with Tony, you know. and Could he really ball? Was he nice like that? What's up? Man, Tony Romo was cold, man. Uh-huh. Like, I, don't, I, don't really, I don't think people really realize, you know, how good uh, of an athlete Tony Romo was, man. You know, from basketball, football, uh, and definitely golf, man. He mm-hmm. could have. He could excel in anything that, you know, he chose to do, man. He was amazing in all spaces. And, um, you know, just, you know, seeing him, what he's doing, like he's doing some things like with clinics and stuff back home for baseball, kind of similar to what we do from a basketball standpoint. But, you know, um, you know, whenever I reach out to him and ask him for any assistance or appearances or anything like that, he's always available. Before before we let you go, so so last week – you know, I'm on Twitter, and I see I see you trending, like number one, right? So I'm like, yo, what's he coming back? He can't, he, he, he's he's out of retirement, back in the league, and then I see then I see a video, <laughs> then I see a video, and you got you got your kids screaming, um, you know what I'm saying? I was, what happened, son? What happened? What, what yo, was what was all about? So I told I told the folks at TNT, I said when I get there, when I get there. I want y'all to put a unit on me. Uh-huh. Because Quinn Richardson, so last, the week prior, so you understand what happened, the week prior, Quinn Richardson had a unit on. Okay. That's a, that's a hair joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had, the, he had the weed, you know, he had the hair weave joint on it. So I was like, all right, cool. I said, that's dope, man. I said, I'm going to do that next week. So I told the stylist to come back the following week. And when she came there, she was like, you ain't going on TV with this. So they dressed <laughs> it all up, and they did it. And and this is how you know I ain't lying. It's just real time stuff. Like I I'm gonna own it. Uh-huh. So I told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm about to come on live, record it. Uh-huh. And, you know, like and she was like, All right, I'll record it. So she's the one recording the T V and my kids at the studio at the in real time, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I come on and and I tweeted it about my own damn self. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I was I was making fun of it, like, yo, this what happens when you put hair on and then nobody know and you shock your kids. And then it just went like, I didn't even know, man. I was making fun. It, it just went viral. I said, oh, shit. Like, you know, Tiger Woods won the mask. Won the mask. Wow, right? Right. And, I, and I'm number two. I, that was, <laughs> I was like, wow. I couldn't believe I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm like, number one, number one trending. Like, what's going on? 
I'm like, wow, this thing really blew up, man. <laughs> yeah, crazy. man, it took off, man. People was calling me from all. I said, oh shit. I said, if I do that, man, I would have left it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's Karan, great. That's great. <laughs> well, Karan, thank you so much for joining us. And before you go, any any things that you want to plug? Uh, you uh, foundation stuff, any appearances you're making, anything like that you want to. Predictions on who's going to be in the final. Oh, oh that's who, it. Who's, cool, who's coming out the East? That's yeah. what I want to know. We want to hear. We want to hear about the foundations, but we, we also want to hear about your your predictions. <laughs> hey, you know what? Honestly, I, I this is how I look at it, man. Um, the only team that can realistically beat uh, the Warriors in the Western Conference, I feel, that has a shot, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but has a shot is uh, the Houston Rockets right, with a right. healthy Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think James Harden is, is having, you know, he, he every night out-of-body performance seemed to be the new thing for him. And Chris Paul, if he's healthy, it was a game away. Now he's a little more well-rested. He, he got that, that hunger in him. He's mad. He know he missed out on that opportunity, and I think he's trying mm-hmm. to get it back. And we saw that, you know, uh, a situation similar to that with the San Antonio Spurs in the Miami Heat when yeah. they had LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and all those guys when they put the rope up and then they gave Ray Allen a chance to knock down mm-hmm. the shot and it took the momentum away. So I think that when the Spurs came back and won that championship the following year, I could see that same type of, you know, thrive in, in, in those guys. Mm. So I say in the Western Conference, I still got the Golden States, but if anything happened, it would be Houston, uh, you know, upsetting them. Now on the other side, man, I just think that when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and you look at Giannis, you know, one of the best all-around players, you know, in our game, young, talented, explosive, you know, hybrid, a motor. Uh, that was my rookie. I, I, I love I love what he brings to the table, and it's almost similar to what, you know, the Eastern Conference been with LeBron for years. You know, and I think Giannis is that new version of that. And I think that them being in the top five offensively and defensive rating, in the NBA, they hang their hat on a couple things, not just one. Right. I think the Milwaukee Bucks got a realistic shot at coming out the Eastern Conference. So, so Giannis was your rookie. Yeah, that was my rookie, man. Uh, had him his rookie year. So, are you are you surprised by where he is now? Did you see it originally? I'll be alive. I told you <laughs> that I've seen all this. Happen. But, I, but 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 the one thing I would say is that like he had. Like, he had it. Like, mm. you know, mm. like, he just had it. Like, I, I didn't know he was he scoring 25, 14, and all that. A game, but, like, he just had, like, the feel of the game, and he outworked everybody. Wow. So, you know, that, that adds up at some point. And now you got a young guy who should and will be MVP. Like, that's what I'm thinking. And, you know, he, he got a couple more in him, you know, for years to come. And he has that look in his eye. Like, you, you watch the play, just has that look in his eye. Like, he like nothing's going to hold him back. Yeah, and he's old school from a competition standpoint. Like, he loves competing. He he don't do the friendly stuff. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, he don't – yeah, and I, that's what I love about him. Like, he old school in that form where he wants to take it from you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to take it from anybody – because he feel like he's been doubted for long, so for so long, he's been in a locker room where he, you know, pretty much was told early on that he wasn't worthy of being in that locker room or in that space. So, wow. you know, he's out there trying to continue to prove doubters wrong, man. And when you got that type of edge, and then when you get paid, and when you get the accolades, and when you start getting praised, 
and you still can have that edge, man, that's that's different. Would you be surprised if, um, having said all that, if it was Boston and Houston in the finals? I'll be shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will. I, I would be shocked. The only, the only thing that concerned me about Boston is, you know, smart injury and things like that. And then also this, the chemistry, because, you know, if you, if you're, if you're in a situation where you watch some of these teams, you know, a lot of these team chemistries, they're, they're good enough to get you fired. Right. Because they play and perform at a high level for like three or four games. And you'd be like, man, we the best thing since ever. And then they didn't give you six of the worst games you ever seen in your life, man. And, Right. That's what I see with, you know, the, the Boston Celtics because, you know, I feel like a lot of guys, like, they look at the success that they had without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward, and then, you know, so, so many people feel like Kyrie's going to leave no matter what. So, you know, do I want to give him the ball and the praise and everything mm. and sacrifice, you know, what I could be becoming, you know, and, and elevate him even more? Like, those things mm. happen, you know, with guys. They play the mind games amongst themselves. So, but I just – I, I hope it happened for them because it, it will be a great story. And, you know, but I just, I don't see it happening. I think that the Bucks are just so much good, man, with the pace, the, 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 the defense, like they just, they're fun to watch, man. And they got, they got to possibly have two guys coming back with uh, Ilya Sova and mm, yep. uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he's out mm. for four to five weeks, but he can come back, you know, three to five weeks. That means like second round at the back end of the second round of the playoffs, man. So they got a shot. You, would you give them a shot against Golden State? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd give them a shot against Golden State because they play great defense. And Kevin Durant is uh, a guy that can offset two guys. And I think the only other person in the association that's a wash with Giannis at that position is Kevin Durant because mm-hmm. he'll defend and he's a hybrid and he's going to attack and go at him. And he's going to put so much pressure on that Golden State defense. And Golden State is limited in shot blocking. They got Andrew Bogut. You know, he's a little long in the tooth to be getting up and down, you know, with the transition flow and the pace. You lose uh, Boogie Cousins, so you're going to have to re- rely on that Hampton Five a lot. Right. And, you know, say if Draymond getting in foul trouble or anything like that, now you, you, you're in a bad situation. So I think that Golden State lacks depth. And Brooke Lopez is a guy that can stretch you out. He's going to give Giannis the real estate. Chris Middleton, he's a walking bucket. Mm. You know, Eric Bledsoe, he's confident. He got 70-plus. You know what I mean? Like, he got that new money, so he's feeling some type of way about himself. (laughs) Like, guys are just, like, really engaged. And I think that the Bucs got a realistic shot at, you know, upsetting some people. Any uh, charitable? We know about the movie. Yeah. Any Any charitable um, things coming up? Foundation um, appearances? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to release anything yet, but we, you know, we're doing the Dream Court on Juneteenth Day. You know, we mm. are celebrating the, the 14, 400 years of us, you know, arriving here, man, and, uh, right. you know, 16, 19. So uh, we're touching on that. And uh, Juneteenth Day is, you know, we celebrate our proclamation and uh, we built the Dream Court in the back of uh, one of the historic uh, facilities and centers that kind of was like the hub where I was raised at. And we're doing multiple dream course throughout the, the, the county and the city of Racine County. Mm. And, um, you know, that's one of the first initiatives that we're doing. And we're doing some renaming of some parks and projects. So, nice. you know, um, yeah, it, 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 it'll be a lot of stuff, you know, rolling, you know, uh, at the end of May, early June. 
It's good stuff. Outstanding. Great, great Th- stuff. Thank you, Karan, for your time and uh, enjoy the playoffs and and definitely look forward to having you back soon, brother, for sure. And Thank when, you. And when, when it's Boston versus Houston, brother, we'll we'll come up with a bet. Oh, dinner, hey, dinner, I, dinner I, on you. I, I, <laughs> hey, I def, hey, I definitely need to talk about that. So bring me back home. Right. <laughs> oh, trust me, you'll be the first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Thank, Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Take care. Man, that was uh, incredible from Karan. Thank you very much. But now we bring you to the most popular part of Bros Pod. The great Aaron Matthewson coming in to talk pop culture, all, this, all the stuff that we don't know. What's on tap? So yes. we're talking about we're going to talk about Beyonce and uh, her, Beyonce. her documentary. Can't say anything bad about Beyonce. Well, you can, but you might get hurt. <laughs> that's that's true. Not, not for me from the Beehive. Uh, yeah, or, or, or if you kiss up on Beyonce like Amari yeah. uh, Hardwick, you Easy know, though. like you know. <laughs> <laughs> if he kissed, you kissed her. Oh yeah, he kissed her twice actually. At um, yeah, he was looking thirsty it, out there. Yeah, yeah, really. And, and wow. in front of Jay, in front of Jay Z, in front I mean, of Sean what? Carter. That's what that's, that was, that's what he gets. Yeah, that was, it was very like, weird. It was, it was weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> so. And then what's the other thing we want you? We want you to talk about Beyonce. Nas. And Nas. Yeah. So you guys know about, more about pop culture than you let on. <laughs> <laughs> not, not here. <laughs> but, yeah. So tell us about which which do you use the most important? Oh, wow. I mean, they're both so important. I think, well, let's start, I guess, start with the, what happened earlier this week and get to Nas, because today is Nas's 25th, or An- the anniversary Illmatic. of uh, Illmatic, Illmatic, his debut album. Huge. Classic. Yeah. Classic. Mm-hmm. Classic, isn't it? Well, Beyonce just created a new classic. On Wednesday uh, at 3 a.m., she dropped uh, a Netflix documentary called Homecoming. Mm -hmm. It's basically Beyonce's Homecoming, where she... It's a documentary uh, of her concert last year at Coachella, um, and also kind of the behind the scenes about what she went through to create it. Mm. And it's... I've seen nothing but positive. Like, it's been called... Uh, an ode to black love. It's, but it's also really inclusive as well. Like I think going to Coachella was brilliant because it's so deeply steeped in black culture, HBCU culture, and yet it's a lot of white folks at that festival. So if they don't mm-hmm. know, they just got to ask. It's not, you know, right. not trying to make it a secret. So she dropped. She drops the doc. It's like a documentary. Documentary. Oh, and an album. And the album. Yeah. So I, yeah, I heard about. And heard the album is good too. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I haven't listened yet. It's all of her like her classics. And she has Jay is oh, on there like hits. a live album. Okay. Live album, right? Live yeah. Album. Okay. Yeah. Does she sings "Say My Name." She does. She does have a Destiny's Child. Yeah, like, she had. She had a couple of Destiny Child's uh, members. Uh, uh, members, right? Yeah, yeah. I think everybody should watch it. It's just a. It's a really beautiful ode to Black people and HBCUs, which she says she dreamed of going to an HBCU, but. She said Destiny's Child was her college and life was her mm. teacher. Oh, wow. I'm surprised she didn't do it in Texas Southern, you know, like in Houston. Oh. She's from Houston, Texas Southern, you know, she could have done it. She probably that. wanted to leave. She probably wanted to go to Howard or something, right? I, you know, she didn't say. Oh, but I mean the, her, the concert. Yeah. The concert. Oh, do oh, uh, The oh, concert. But co- I mean, I feel like it's so, in, there must have been a little thought process around Coachella. Like she could have oh, been yeah. Afropunk. Oh, yeah. So many other places. There's a bigger market. Yeah, yeah, Coachella yeah. is like. Yeah, and she's the first black woman to headline. Like, I just feel like there's probably more. And she world. even made fun of that. She said something when she thought about the first black woman. She said, really? Or something. Yeah, she's like, like, ain't that a B? Yeah, ain't that a B? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's pre- yeah, that's pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah. But there have been mean, plenty of uh, superstar oh, women, yeah. black women. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> but I mean, Coachella, from what I understand, it's like a lot of indie rock. 
And how long has it been around, Uh, Coachella? So it started in 1999, skipped a year, and then came back in 2001. Okay, did. So it's 20 years. 19. Yeah. Well, Janet Jackson could have headlined it or something. Yeah. You could go back there. There are a lot. I mean, that's that's why it's interesting. (laughs) That's why it's interesting when you say... um, Whatever the first, I remember John Thompson was the first one who told me that. When everybody says, "Oh, he was the first, or she was the first to be black," that actually makes it there's something there was a deficiency on our part. Right. When mm. it was actually racism, that's right. <laughs> it wasn't like there were any talented right. black people. Exactly. It was like, but yet they just turned around and said, "Wow, you're the first." Like Jackie Robinson was the first. Well, yeah, it wasn't because there were no talented black people. It was because of you. <laughs> right. And she's, she was supposed to go to Coachella in 2017. She got pregnant unexpectedly. Mm. Twins. Why she had to do that? But she talks about that in the documentary. She says she w- she was like 200 and something pounds, mm. and she had a few months to get ready. C-section? Yeah, she had a C-section, wow. only had a few months to get ready, and she just... For she the tour, had, for the next tour, Yeah. Right? yeah wow. wow. I think she went vegan. I'm not, she, you know, if people are talking about her diet, that, that she didn't eat anything. I think she ate stuff. She, it just was no carbs, sugar. Probably drink water, that's it. How, 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 how old is Beyonce now? <laughs> She's 37. We oh. share her birthday. Uh-oh. Oh really? What? Yeah. Oh, on the fourth. So, yeah, September fourth. The September fourth. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. my, my September second. Does that I mean know. anything? Um, it's not the same. You're close. Uh, you're two close. days from Beyonce. Yeah. You're <laughs> Virgo. <laughs> and, we can all get together. And, and <laughs> right, right. You can have drinks. <laughs> and it's so funny. Beyonce, like, let's can we have drinks? <laughs> and there's another Virgo in in Nasir Jones. Oh really? Who's celebrating? You know, today, which is April nineteenth, where we are recording. Mm-hmm. You know, Great Friday. Segue to yeah, Bate. Yes, indeed. <laughs> another Virgo there, and 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 Nas um, released. Illmatic, 25 years ago this day, on on April 19th, 1994. Mm. And that album, I remember it was it was anticipated in the hip hop community because Nas had success with um with a live with um Live at the Barbecue, which is main source. That's when he came out. And then also he did a song called Halftime, which is on the album, uh, which is on the Zebrahead soundtrack. And that was like that track really blew up. And everyone was anointing him as the next great. MC like the Rakim and G Rap combined, right. and Cool G Rap combined. So, and when this album came out, like for me, I remember I was high school, junior high school. I'm dating myself now. Uh oh. Uh, so <laughs> I got this album. I got it on bootleg because I would get bootleg tapes before I would I would test it and hear it, and then if I liked the album, I would actually really buy it. Um, so I listened to the tape four times that night. Mm. It just yeah. blew my mind. And, and Olu Dara, his father, the legendary jazz mm. um, uh, cornetist and singer and, and artist who I have the honor to know, like he is someone that when he played that, I, I didn't know who he was. So when I heard that solo on Life's a B, mm-hmm. uh, which is you can say which sampled <laughs> Life's <laughs> Bitch, you, uh, um, which, which sampled um, <laughs> Yearning for Your Love by the Gap Band. When I heard his solo, I transcribed it that night. Mm. I transcribed it. It was, and then it got me hit to Olu Dara, who had, who played with uh, Oliver Lake, played yeah, a lot yeah. in the loft scene in the seventies yeah. and eighties, and also had a resurgence in his career in the two thousands and everything. Um, uh, and from Natchez, Mississippi. But anyway, that was what. You know, that album, The Greatest Producers, you know, Q-Tip, DJ Premier, Large mm-hmm. Professor, L.E.S., you know, uh, Pete Rock, all mm-hmm. those cats. And then only one other guest appearance, and that was A.Z., mm-hmm. you know. who in life's a bitch. Yeah, and A.Z. said that he, when he gave that verse, he was very disappointed. He didn't think he... He it, it increased his confidence when everyone was saying that verse was cold, that verse was cold. It increased his confidence to become the artist he became. Right. So... 
No, it was yeah, a great just album. a great album. Yeah, yeah tr- and, and, it, and it stood. It, so I mean, I, at the time, I think it was people thought it was the best, the best hip hop album mm-hmm. at that point, and I think it's still in the nineties, yeah. and it still stands the test of time. Obviously, I mean, there were ten tracks. I don't think That's there was right. a bad track on there. That's right. Um, even like Biggie, who people there might have been one or two misses on on mm-hmm. Biggie's. Life, you still, life after death. Would you still listen to it now? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I listened to it Stands once. Once. Time. Once Nabate told me it was the 25th anniversary, I, I just put it on and <laughs> on the train. Is, yeah. Put it right it, on. What is it again? Oh, Illmatic. Yeah. I L I L M A T I C. Illmatic, mm-hmm. and it has a picture. It's a really iconic album cover too. A picture of an eight-year-old Nas on the picture with the Queensbridge Projects where he came from in the background, mm-hmm. the backdrop, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's pretty deep. Would you agree, Aaron? I'm newer to Nas. I mean, I I have listened to like two songs off of Illmatic. I have to be honest, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I res- I respect. I mean, everywhere I go, people talk about him. And yeah. I, he had a. He, I feel like so much talent came out of Queensbridge. Him, oh, yeah. Prodigy, yep. Mob uh, you, you did the the docu- You Mob. helped with the documentary, a Mob Deep documentary. You should plug that. By yeah. the way. Oh yeah. The um, if you're interested in. Mob Deep and Prodigy. Okay, uh, it's called The Realness from WNYC. Oh, yeah. it's, it was, so much yeah. talent. Oh, I have, to, I have to definitely see that. Yeah, and Marley Mall too. Yeah. Marley Mall Marley. as well. You MC Shan. MC Shan. And, um, yeah. Metaworld Peace, right? Metaworld Peace, yeah. that's right, yeah, that's wow. right. Yeah. Well, what, was I, what was I doing? Where were you in 1994? Well, was, was it 1994? 94. Yeah. Yeah. I was still listening to the music. I mean, I was, I got pretty much still into the music, and I call the music jazz, and I should probably expand my, because it's all part of the music, it's right. all part of black music. Right. And, and, right. and there's so many jazz samples. So many, like Gary Burton, uh, Gary Burton sample, I believe there is. Also, uh, the Heath Brothers, yeah, as wow. well, which is a major sample on One Love. Wow. Uh, like, so many jazz influences mm. on that record. Right. Let, let me ask each of you something before we close this down, shut down Aaron's. Uh, we, I, we'd asked this to some of the uh, earlier, this with the Roden Fellows. So, if each of you, each of you, there are two questions we asked them. Who, if you had a list of three greatest entertainers of your lifetime, wow, right oh, now, my, my my lifetime, right, yeah, entertainers, oh, okay, not yeah. all time, no, uh, well, it could be Can all time or your time, time. Oh, they, they could be dead, they yeah. could be past, okay, yeah, okay. dead just sounds so final. We do a seance, you know, uh, no, don't, let's not go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, touch it, um, but the three greatest entertainers of each of lifetime, and then. That's the first thing. So let's go around. Who who has a quick thing? The three greatest entertainers. What's an entertainer? Just music? Yeah, well, since we're talking about music. Okay, yeah, yeah. Talking about music, sure. unless, unless you come up with a rabbit out the hat. No, no, mm-hmm. You know, I'll keep I mean, it music. Some people might say, but well, anyway, so so let's go to the resident musician. Let's right. start with Nabate. Oh, wow. I would say um, James Brown, Michael Jackson, Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. Yeah. I always get, when I asked him, I didn't give my three, but I always thought of James Brown. I was listening mm-hmm. to him. Last night, we were setting up the sound system, and I just the guy said, "Do you have a CD?" And the only way I could find then was this James Brown live, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. listened to it, and it just guys, I mean, this guy was incredible. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, James, and the band mm-hmm. and the music, and anyway, so okay, so you have James Brown, Sammy Davis Jr., and Michael Jackson. Okay, Aaron. Okay, don't kill me. I'm gonna go Beyonce, Michael Jackson, Bruno Mars. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, people say, I thought you were say Doris Day. Oh, no, no. Doris Day. <laughs> <laughs> Doris Day wasn't Love her. Doris Day wasn't or, bad. Or, or Elvis Presley. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, 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 that would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. That would have done it. All right, y'all. 
<laughs> that would have, that would have. Door stays of close port. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to go. See the USA in your Chevrolet. Mm-hmm. I was, she, had a, she had a show, the Doris Day show. Oh, and at right. the very end, she said, she said, oh, she said, see the USA in your Chevrolet. Wow, that was the theme <laughs> at, like, at the end of each show. That was a sponsor. That was a sponsor. Oh, okay, Chevrolet. <laughs> uh, it's off the top of the head, so I didn't get the chance to think about it. But I'm going to say, I, I can't, I got to go James, agree with James Brown. But I'm going to go Stevie Wonder. Mm. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, since, you know, hip hop is my thing, I got, I'm going to throw one hip hop dude in there. I'm going to say Biggie. Okay. Mm. So okay. I'm going to represent hip hop for it, but, but yeah. definitely James Brown, Stevie Wonder. Did you see them live? Now, I don't, I didn't. I, when I say greatest, I didn't say that this is somebody you had to see live. Uh, I, I don't. I haven't seen that, any of those. Oh, I don't think I haven't either. I might have <laughs> seen. I maybe saw Biggie live before he blew up, but um, but definitely not. But, I yeah, seen anybody? Did, does anyone here remember anyone you saw in any genre live oh. that made that made a, a tremendous? Jay Z like before he became. Yeah, I saw, oh, saw Jay Z. Yeah. I, I would say KRS one. Oh wow, for yeah, me. no question. KRS, I saw I saw him at Tramps twice over at Tramps. I saw him recently for the first time. Yeah. And he's still ripping. Oh, when he God. said I ripped the mic- microphone until I'm sixty, yes. he really does. Yes, he, re- he really rips <laughs> he's, it. He's actually <laughs> doing it. Oh God, um, Michelle and Degiocello for Ooh. me as well. Like seeing her live, you know. I remember I saw her the first time live when Tupac died. Mm. The night Tupac died, she announced it. I didn't know. Oh, wow. No one knew. My, you know, yeah. My so. first concert ever was Janet Jackson, Velvet Rope. Oh, I think I, I was. Just that, saw that. Wow. <laughs> I saw that. That's my wow. album too. Yeah. Now, what, now that's a good one. What about your? Do you remember your first concert that you saw? Your first live concert? Not really. BB King for me. Ooh. And I'm not. I've never really been a concert guy. Like I've, I only recently started seeing concerts, so I don't know. Mm. I have to think back. Well, while you're thinking. While you're thinking, oh, the last wow. the last challenge, you can always come back. Wait, what are your three? Oh, I don't. I'm a journalist. I don't care. Oh, oh no, no, we got no. You, we got to hear Wait a minute. Um, I'd say I, 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 since you opened the door to uh, Marvin Gaye, I mean yeah. uh, James Brown. See Marvin uh, James Brown, but I would also say John Coltrane because mm-hmm. because I know people whose lives were transformed. Mm. Hearing him when they saw him live, and they saw when they saw a Train live. Mm-hmm. Even the saw train live near the end, or they saw him uh, when he first went with Miles. So I know people who just say they were transformed by him. And then I think James Brown, and I don't know. Like I said, I, it's not like I saw a lot of people. I like, I always saw the Motown Review, and for some reason, I love just the Motown Review. I would, maybe I would have my third would be the entire Motown Review before it ended. This the whole thing to me was just. Unreal, yeah, like yeah, how, how you could have that much. Martha Reeves and Vendellas. I still love Martha Reeves. Mm-hmm. Martha mm-hmm. Reeves and Vendellas, yes. Smokey, uh, yeah. The Temptations. Uh, just you know, I mean, just you know. And I, I hate. I'm trying to think of somebody. Oh, but but I'd also have to put Beyonce, probably number one, mm. because she she Beyonce is probably generational. Right. You could probably put Beyonce in any. Yeah. You could put it with Ethel Waters. You could put put her with with any generational. Performers, black performers, in the Chitlin circuit or whatever, and she turned it out. Right, mm-hmm. so no question. That, yeah. But my my, my, the, my final question for this is is that, say you are all being exiled to a desert isle, you're being exiled to a desert isle. You're going. You say, well, I got to take it. No, you go back. You, you only have two minutes. You could only take two pieces of music with you. That's it. Hurry up, pick it out. You could only take two pieces of music with you, and that's it. 
And you could, that's so like two albums? Two pieces of music. It could be two albums. It could be a double CD. It could be a compendium uh, or whatever. But whatever you would take, what would be the two pieces of music that you would take? Wow. On this deserted, this desert aisle. That's, I don't know about two or two. Would, I don't know if I could just Well, it would be like the airplane. If you took three, they say you can't take the third on. You only take two. Leave that here, sir. Whoa. Right. I'll take that. I might need compilations. Like, I might take the Motown compilation, and I would take, then I'd take, like, 90s hip-hop compilation or something like that. A compilation? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a cheat. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Compilations work. Mm. Two. Two compilations. Wow. I'm going to wait for Aaron. I mean, I would have to be honest. I would need a workout song, <laughs> song. So I'm going to go. Oh, it's so tough. Um, I'm going to go uh, Imagine Dragons Radioactive for um, workout song. And then My Girl by The Temptations. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. My, my dad sings that to my mom all the time. Still? Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, very sweet. Yeah, That's really, really romantic. Very sweet. Big props to you. I know. <laughs> wow. So that, you're embarrassing me. I, need to, I don't do stuff like that. Well, you should. I know. Yeah. So I hear. <laughs> Doesn't have to be my girl. <laughs> Some equivalent. Something like that. Yeah. I would go, um, wow, Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. Mm. That album. Somebody said that this morning. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That. And also the the album that inspired me to play the music, Clifford Brown with Strings. Mm. Yeah, that. I I would say those two, I think, with that significance. Because if I go on a desert island, I know that my existence is pretty much going to end soon, you know? <laughs> so, so I want to go back to the, to, the pro, to the works that really inspired me to be who I become, became. Mm, that's so. good. That's good. I would probably pull, if I just had to pull something, I'd pull a Miles Davis jam, anyone, either mm. Blades of Kilimanjaro or something like that, because mm-hmm. I could play it on a loop, Ooh, and I could yeah. just hear it over again. And then secondly, if I knew that you were bringing songs the key of life, I said, okay, we'll cover there. And then I don't know. I would, I, if, I don't know if I really, I might pull out something with B.B. King mm. since you probably all have mm-hmm. blues or something <laughs> there. Right. But something later where he's like, every, uh, like uh, everybody wants to know why I sing the blues. I take Live at the Hit Factory. Oh, okay. Two, it's a two-album set. Oh, and my. where he's live, yes. but it's some good up. Yes, it's like not 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 early BB King when he really believed that shit when he really did have the blues, <laughs> but something later. That's right when he was like a millionaire, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you could it was kind of like he'd have fun with it. So yes. you could hear the blues, but you wouldn't like have the blues. You could say, oh, yeah, that's BB. That's when all the, the white audiences were there and all that. Ooh, that anyway. sound, that sound that he got, he made that guitar sing. Yeah, like the that was the sound he yeah. had. The thrill is gone. I mean, it's like I remember. My my thing is, uh, as a kid, for, for Christmas, I had the simplest Christmas gift. But I probably getting when I was like a senior, I told everybody, all I went for, and I gave them all a list of albums. Mm-hmm. Everybody just gave me, these are albums I want. And so I, that that was it. And I figured back then, it was still a cheap date. They were only, albums were only like, you go like 398 or four. Right. But I still, I could take my album collection now and probably pull them out and tell you, oh yeah, this is what my Aunt Catherine 
bought me. Wow. And I remember, oh, yeah, my, my sister uh, told me when I was going off to college, you have to bring something by Sidney Bechet, you got to bring something by John Coltrane, and something by Coleman Hawkins. Ooh. And But I had no yeah. idea. I was still under the temptations. Yeah. So anyway, y'all didn't ask me that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so we're done with it. So thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Wow. Always a pleasure to hang yeah, out very with you guys. Good. Yeah, no. <laughs> any, any other news that? I mean, this is kind of sad. It's also the 20th anniversary of Columbine. <gasps> That's right. This week. Yeah. Yesterday, Sorry. right? Was it yesterday, right? I don't Oh, uh, the 18th is I remember. Oh my God, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember but that. On, on a brighter note, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, I was gonna say they are now they're kind of like a test place for um, dealing with active shooters, and they're now probably one of the, more, the safest schools that you could be at. Okay, mm-hmm. that was a good news. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is that is you know yeah because it, it did something. It's a shame that that wasn't a lesson that hap- with that happening because then you have the instance of Sandy Hook that happened years later, you know, and that affected a good friend of mine, Jimmy Green. I got to give him mm. a shout out. Jim, mm. The great saxophonist mm. lost his daughter in that. Mm. Wow. Um, you know, and, and mm. uh, God, you know, God bless, uh, God bless him and his family and, and he continues mm. to make great music. But mm. this gun... Like New, how come New Zealand was able to come up with some radical gun control quickly, but this country can't? So mm. it's, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. But we all know why, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, money, 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 money. Right. Oh, now that's yeah. another one. Nobody mentioned uh, the OJ's mm. and and, uh, and money, money, money. Love uh, for love, money. I love, mm-hmm. I love money, or for the love of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's could be a theme song. But anyway. <laughs> we can do. We can explore that on a shameless yeah. plug. Bill had an amazing conversation with Troy and Tommy Vincent. Uh, oh, Troy's uh, yeah, the, Troy the VP Vincent. of the of NFL football NFL. operations. Mm-hmm. They talked about great cornerback back in the yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. And he has. A, it seems like a very amazing marriage. Um, mm-hmm. And he talked about what has kept it together. And uh, they had a great conversation on the Road and Fellows podcast. What made you think of that? Because um, I'm looking at a picture of them. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the music. I thought it was some some song. Uh, oh, I could I could change that. <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> hey, okay, and that, that's on the Road and Fellows. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So check that out on uh, ESPN Undefeated. Yep. yep. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Hey, well, thank you, everybody. This was actually great. We had great guests. Thank you, uh, Nabate, for uh, bringing Karan on the show. That oh, was great. Pleasure. Yeah. pleasure and uh, Jamal, as usual, man. Thank you. We were actually. Uh, we came up here from Mike um, St. John, just named their new basketball coach. Right, Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson. Formerly yeah. Arkansas, Formerly Missouri right. before that. UAB, UAB too. UAB. UAB, yeah. They upset at Kentucky that right. year, 04. Yep. I remember That's that. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously assistant coach to Nolan Richardson. That's right. That's 40 right. minutes of hell. That's right. right. Yeah. Mike, Mike Anderson. Yeah. And he actually, you know, the, the press conference was fun. It was fun. He was lively. I think I think New York will like him. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. I mean, he, he's serious. I don't know if his players realize that. No. About, about the training and right. pressing all the time. Yes. Right. And he said, well, there's a reason. He said, yeah, I have a lot of depth. You got to have depth. Right. Because the way he plays like that. He's like, we're going to lose some people now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it sounds fun. They, they say 40 minutes of hell, but it's like 30 minutes of hell and then 10 minutes of what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if he coached the, the team, this St. John's team that, this year, with that, with that depth oh, and yeah. that athleticism. Yeah. 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 Forgive me. Did we give a shout out to Tiger? Oh. oh we probably wow. didn't. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods wins. I was t- I was telling people um, earlier in the week. Uh, it was conflicting uh, mm. for me. Not really. Not during the, in the moment. I was rooting for Tiger hard. I always right. do. Every, every, every but then when it ends, I'm like, wh- I was rooting for this dude. Why? Because yeah. like, I saw I, I, someone sent me a uh, 
a video and they asked Tiger about um, Trump. This was like a month ago or so. They asked him about Trump and, you know, golfing. Remember, he had golfed with Trump about a month ago or so ago. And, oh, he's uh, getting the presidential medal on Yeah, too. so he's, he was like, oh, well, you know, I know I know Trump. He answered the question, like, I know Trump from, you know, before, you know, from years before. and We were friends before he was president. And he, he was like, he, he went on the, well, you know, you still have to respect the, the office of the presidency. He told that line. And then so finally some uh, a reporter asked him, okay, well, do you have anything you want to generally about race relations in this country that you that you want to say? And he said, <laughs> he said, he was like, no, um, I just finished 72 rounds of golf. I'm kind of tired now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what he said. I mean, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's the thing about so that that's guy. when I was like, I was rooting for this dude. But I can't, but I guess sports, he's still great, right? So well, there's a reason you, I'm rooting for him. Well, you, you, in the moment, you have to have that lane. Like, okay, great comeback story. Right. Yeah. Great thing. He couldn't walk. Yeah, the back is, you yeah. know, couldn't walk. Yeah. Right. So, but, but that, yeah. that then on Monday, though, that doesn't mean you got to like. Right. That, yeah, I'm rooting for him on the course. On the course. Who yeah. else am I going to root for? Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, congratulations, Tiger. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. Good yeah. job. Come on the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be great. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Tiger Woods, y'all. Yeah, let's not kill him. <laughs> All right, but hey, again, um, is this it? This Can we is say, it. All right. Yeah. Hey, thanks, everybody. It's been another version of Bill Roden on sports. Uh, Jamal Nabate, the great and wonderful Aaron Matthewson. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.